This is Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to Flipping Tables, episode number 58. I am David Lyons. And I'm Mike Edwards. And uh, I have to just mention this because this was an exciting news story, but Alaska voted on getting rid of daylight savings time. Woo! And Alaska's, a, I've heard from you and from other people that it's kind <laughs> of a weird place up there. There's some crazy pants going on. Yeah, it's just, they're so separated from everything. I mean, even that part of Canada is like, oh, yeah, Alaska's over there. And it's like half the size of the continental U.S. or something. Maybe yeah. not quite that big. Yeah, but, but it probably has the population of, like, rural Iowa. <laughs> but rural juror. Their, their smart rulers got together and said, no more daylight savings time. So it's going to be a, you know, they have to phase it out. So they're going to do it through 2016, and then they're done. So once they fall back in the fall of 2016, they won't spring ahead in spring of 2017. Uh, and having just gone through this, I am super jealous. I hope it can wave across our nation like the sunlight. Wait, except, except it, the, other, the direction. other direction. Wave across. It can, like the, it can set the, the, the oh, age there, of there you go. daylight savings time can set across our nation. So we, we've got we to gotta bring it down for a minute, Mike. Oh and man. I want to have a heart to heart. A little bit. So I've I've been thinking about Apple and and I was having this this internal struggle over the last few weeks because we've been talking about like the watch was coming up and and the new MacBook and and uh coincidentally I heard from a couple of listeners about our talk about Apple so there was like some meta conversations going on and I realized and I don't tell me if you think this has come through. I realized like I am like an a borderline Apple apologist. Like I'm afraid to talk about them because you either have the, the crazy fanatics or the loud people. And then you have the angry, everything Apple does is terrible, loud people. But just like in every other arena of life, the, the middle of the road, people are the quiet ones. Well, you're in between a war of irrational people. And so you might just be caught in the crossfire of no matter what you say, if you're trying to be reasonable, yeah. Someone's going to be pissed. Right, because you're either not praising them enough or you're not bashing them enough. And and I realized every time I would go to say something about Apple, and I, I don't know how much this came through, but I could feel it inside like this. I'm like, I, I don't know what the right way to phrase this is because what if I make the wrong group of people mad? And one, that, I think that's a really stupid way to live your life. Like you shouldn't intentionally try to offend people, but – you should also not constantly be terrified <laughs> yeah. of offending them. And then the other thing is like they just – they happen to be the consumer tech company right now. Like it would be really stupid to be afraid to talk about Microsoft in the 90s. Yeah. Right? So I'm uh, – I'm going to try and ease up about that. And if, I mean, people are welcome to disagree with my opinions and be wrong because we all <laughs> I mean, know how my, that goes. My podcast in the 80s was all about IBM. Exactly. Your your FM was it AM? Were you a cool guy? AM <laughs> yeah. radio show. Cool Mike one oh one. But yeah, so I just I and it was a happy coincidence for me that a couple um a couple people reached out through some feedback channels. Uh Twitter's good, at lines and beta on Twitter. And uh <laughs> and yeah, they reached out and they were like, you know, oh you said this thing and like you tried to get away from Apple, but it like sucked you back in because it's an interesting topic to, to comment on. When they were laughing that we kept trying to get off talking about the <laughs> exactly. watch and we kept getting dragged back in to be like, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, because it, it is an interesting subject. Um, and what I have noticed I really hate is like if you want to critique Apple or you want to praise Apple, that's fine. But because they're like the golden child right now, I've noticed there's way too much, oh, we had it first. And I remember when I first got an Android, I was that guy. Like I was like, your phone doesn't even have flash. That's terrible. So now like I've tried to stop doing that because it's totally fruitless. But the day the MacBook was announced, the new one, I saw comparisons with the uh, the Yoga 2 uh, yeah. Lenovo's laptop because it is thinner. But it's 
0.3 millimeters thinner, like an imperceptible distance, unless you have them side by side right up against your face. And it's easy to trot out Microsoft's early tablets with XP, or um, they even had like a, a, a smart watch wearable thing in the, like 04. The spot watch. And it, no one knows what that is. No, nope. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean... Being first in tech is kind of sadly kind of like saying first in a in a comment section on a website yeah. where all you said was first, and it's like, yeah, but you didn't add anything of value. Yeah, yeah. I think this is uh, this is kind of like the the advisor who advised Alexander the Great to like conquer the next country. Like we don't remember him. It was like, yeah, it was his idea. But he didn't actually go out and do the conquering. So, like, maybe Bill Gates foresaw yeah. tablets before Steve Jobs and Apple, but Apple showed up at the right time to for it to be successful in the market. Yeah. Or the other saying is, uh, you're not a leader until someone's following you. So your first follower is the real is the leader. The real leader, <laughs> yes, because they teach the other followers how to follow. I, that whole but does that like, just follower all the way down? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's turtle followers just all the way down. I love that that construct though. It's very fascinating. But anyway, I am going to be less afraid to talk about Apple because Apple. So speaking of Apple, um, <laughs> the uh, the first reviews, not reviews, I guess, but the first uh, consumer experiences with the watch are pretty much across the board. Like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's the dog typing at the laptop. <laughs> like I have no idea. It's Colbert calculator. Um, yeah, I mean, doesn't it look hard? I I will say this. I I think Apple has actually not done a great job showing how you would use this phone in real or not a phone. How you use this watch in real life? <laughs> phone companion. Like yeah, they had Kevin Lynch, former Adobe exec, who actually was in the public spat about Flash. No, with true. Apple back in the day, like 08 or whenever that happened. I think that was about right. So now he's he's with Apple, so apparently they were able to rebuild that bridge they burned. <laughs> um, you know, like, oh, he's opening his garage door, oh, he's sending messages, blah, 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 Siri. But, like, actually sort of – that's this is what I think Apple is typically really amazing at in their, their keynotes is showing you how the product works. Yes, like the iPad unveiling, he just sat on a couch and just opened apps and typed things and did stuff. And yeah, well, because then it, it's like the the character the audience relates to. You're like that's me. I own a couch. Yeah, I sit on it. I well, can do that. And also, I can hardly think of an app on the original iPhone or iPad that Steve Jobs didn't open and show and use and explain. Right. And there's like 500 icons on that Apple Watch <laughs> that you got to zoom in and out of. And they showed like three of them. And they're all third-party apps. And I'm like, what? Like, you're clearly packing in like a ton of native apps. What are they? Right. What are they for? Yeah. How do does they, your calendar app work? How does the mail do look? Do they relate to why I care about having this product? Yeah, it's uh, – so as they've gone like more open, they seem to be more interested in like pulling in these third-party integrations – which I don't – they're not wrong to see the world that way because when you talk to anyone who's owned an iPhone for more than like say the last few years, everyone has the crap I don't want folder. Yeah. Right? Like everybody has the I can't uninstall this garbage <laughs> folder, which actually kind of ties into the next thing on our list, which is when uh, they pushed 8.2 iOS the day of the announcement – Everybody got an Apple Watch app. Yeah. Nobody owns an Apple Watch, but everyone who has an iOS device now has that app. Do you think they just like the the uptake on a new system and since I, I don't Apple should just make it an app in the App Store, but that it's like people don't update their phones very quickly and so they want there to be like 2 months of get on 8.2 before you can even buy the phone. I'm not defending. It's yeah. still obnoxious I, that they give you an, an... I would say it makes sense <laughs> for all the OS-level stuff to be there. Yeah. It does not make sense for an yeah. Apple Watch app to yeah, be Yeah, they should have, like, yeah, push your system update. Don't give me an app I can't uninstall. But, you know, this is... Apple's willing to advertise in this way. <laughs> but doesn't this seem like a weird customers. a weird way to advertise? Like you open your I mean, just imagine if when you pressed on the Apple Watch app, 
instead of opening like the settings, it was like now available for three forty nine. Like, <laughs> yeah. then you would be like, oh, this isn't an app. This and is actually an notably app. the Apple Store app is not native in in the OS. I just jinxed it. They're going to do that. Wait, sure. really? You have to download the Apple Store app. <laughs> Which is, it's, I mean, the App Store and iTunes are built in, but right. But if you want to buy like a Mac from your iPhone, you have to install the. Yeah, it doesn't come. It, See, that's the kind of thing you would think they'd bundle for sure. Well, they've been they've been doing more and more. Like you can delete them, but they come pre-installed. Like GarageBand or Pages will be on your phone when you buy it now, but you oh, can also yeah. remove them. But not stocks and not. So that yeah, the newsstand. Yeah, so this uh, some this brilliant woman. Uh, where's their name? Is it Casey Johnston? Yes, Casey Johnston um, wrote this Medium article that uh, just it's very short. So I'm gonna read the whole thing. But it's a list of the Apple apps you cannot uninstall from an iOS device and the reason. So this article is titled "All the iPhone apps you can't delete are there for rich people." So, so the Apple Watch, only rich people can afford Apple Watches. Stocks, only rich people need to know about stocks. Podcasts, only rich people have ears to listen to podcasts. It says cars. Oh, it does say cars. <laughs> yeah, I got this No, crazy I can totally angle. see from this font how you would yeah. you'd almost see an E out of that. Um, iBooks, only rich people have time to read books. Voice memos, only rich people <laughs> like to hear themselves talk. The weather, only rich people go outside. Calculator, only rich people can't do basic math. <laughs> Health, only rich people won't die. Tips, only rich people tip. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best one. Reminders, only rich people have memory loss. And the compass, only rich people can't sense the North Pole. <laughs> that one's my favorite. I just like how it turned, like it starts out reasonable and then turns like absurd by the end. Yeah. And I mean, that's it. That's the whole article. Plus this adorable little graphic of shaking money. Because that's what it does when you're going to remove something, right? Or rearrange. Yeah, yeah, you tap and hold, and then everything starts shaking. But yeah, so and this is I, I started reading this because I saw the title, and it's a very clickbaity kind of title. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then I opened it, and then by the end, I was like, I'm delighted. Thank you. So that that'll be in the show notes if you want to share that with all your friends on the twitters and the pluses and books. We do have uh, some more gaming news. Um, so you got something about HTC Vive. The, yeah, so I'll be positive first. <laughs> so No, I won't. So apparently it has two names. It's the Vive and it's also the Revive. So they're just failing right off the bat. Right off the bat. So I guess if I understand this correctly, Re, like RE, is one of their product lines. So it's it's right to say that this is the revive because it's the product you know like a Ford Fiesta. Just make sure I have semantic satiation <laughs> of your product name before it's even released. <laughs> exactly. So this is revive. Like, yeah. So that revive. Like, if that was just the name, I would get it. I'd be like, oh, revive. Like okay, so that's like you know revive gaming, revive the world around. Like there's all kinds of dumb BS marketing you could do that, but. Just five? Like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> it's cringy. Yeah, it's not smart. Um, but then the actual cool part is uh, I read a long article uh, that I linked to in the show notes that has really terrible pictures of the guy using it because this is not a product. This is not a fashion item. You do not use a, a virtual reality headset to impress other people. Um, but he said it's, quote, the holodeck you've been waiting for. And that is a really ringing endorsement. Like to say that the product we said that was, on the show many times. Like I just want the holodeck. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's my whole life since I watched the Star Trek Next Gen and and the Fox X Men as a kids with the oh, danger yeah. room. I was like, I want that. Like that. That's video games. Give me that. So the, this article is just this absolutely ringing endorsement. Um, the only thing that I got out of it that was really negative. Because he talks about the cables and stuff, but also he admitted, like, this is not the final product. This is a demo product. So we don't know how the cables are going to be managed, but he was in a giant empty room except for a single chair. And he was so enthralled by it that he said, like, I was trying to decide which room in my house to empty out. 
and like that's the Vive room. Yeah. And it's like, so is that... It's about as one percenter as you can get. Yes! Like, is virtual reality going to be like that? Like, even if the hardware is affordable, is it going to require a bigger house? Like, (laughs) I mean, I love gaming, but I'm not going to buy a new house. (laughs) Sorry, Tommy, you're sleeping on the couch. (laughs) Daddy needs his vibe room. (laughs) But I mean, can, can you... I'm, well, the apartment you're in right now is is on the small side. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, can you imagine setting up your living room in such a way where you're like, okay, I can push all the furniture out to the fringes? Like, doesn't that seem ridiculous? Well, even before we've gotten to this, like with Microsoft Connect and Wii U, like they always show these families that have these enormous <laughs> living rooms. Huge. Like they, they totally huge. They can pretend they're in a full size bowling alley while they fake bowl or whatever. They're like, you know, you fit fifteen people and they're all jumping and cheering. And I'm like, yeah, I wish I had that living room. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice mansion. Does that does that come with the Wii? See, I guess the Connect. I feel like the the Wii, they acted like you're going to be all over the freaking place, but in reality, you're just swinging your arms. Yeah, my favorite is like the the commercial from Metroid for Wii U showed him like hiding behind his chair and jumping out. Yeah, you don't like, do any of that. And like the reality is like I'm like leaning back like as slouched <laughs> as possible on my couch. My arm is on the couch and like my wrist like moves millimeters. I- <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> I do remember when uh, my niece was very small and she wanted to play Wii Sports all the time. My brother got incredibly good at Wii Bowling (laughs) with like this little tiny wrist flick. So, you know, because he wanted my niece to be like up and jumping around and, you know, she's having a good time and burning (laughs) off energy and he's just like, strike. Daddy's going to have his whiskey (laughs) over here, honey. You know, I mean, you just can't compete with the energy of like a four-year-old who's like, I want to play Wii Bowling. And it's like, okay, again, it's like the 700th game in a row. (laughs) But even that, like, even if you stand up and do the full like bowling motion, you still only need about your arm's length. Of space. Yeah. You know, with the Connect, you need a little bit more room. But I feel like with VR, they're kind of saying, especially with the revive, they're kind of saying, like, you're going to need an empty room. Don't store your fine china yeah. in your Vive room. <laughs> yeah, don't don't play this in the kitchen while there's pots boiling on the stove. So, I don't know. I, I mean, as I've said this a million times. Like, I'm just going to have to try it. I'm just going to have to see. But it's not encouraging to me that... The guy who was such a big fan of it was like, yeah, I could get rid of all my furniture. I'll just, what if I just didn't have a family to be in the way while I'm using the Vive? (laughs) Honey, I want a divorce. (laughs) I'm marrying the Vive. Uh, Some other video game news. So there are rumors about a new Nintendo hardware handheld coming out. Well, I mean, the rumor is... I mean, they released another a, Nintendo hardware handheld. Is they released out. a new 3DS like every other. Like you sneeze and you're like, Nintendo has released a new 3DS. And I just jumped on the first. No, not my first, but the yeah, the new of all the 3DSs. <laughs> I, I got one right after the first price drop because they used to be two two hundred fifty bucks, and everyone right. was like, nope. <laughs> and uh, and then I finally fell onto this XL one. Or no, it's not an XL. It's a new Nintendo 3DS XL right. yes. with the built-in nub. But Well, and this is, you did the S upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you had a 3DS. You didn't want to wait until the 4DS. So you got the 3DS. <laughs> Time traveling. The 3DS S. But, yeah, I don't know. If anything, I would think Nintendo is going to try to repair the Wii U's failing with a new system but well i mean hasn't this been a joke for a long time that nintendo lives off the back of its portable consoles i mean they've been printing money forever but the wii printed money i know it had like it was like a a a graveyard of (laughs) shitty third-party software and then occasionally a nintendo game but it still made them a lot of money but i mean it it did in the short run because everybody bought one but then if you don't buy software for it yeah now you just have a dusty box and that's like this and they definitely weren't like pushing 20 million copy like i think no, the no. mario kart on wii was like the least selling uh, until the wii u version right was like 
But I mean, the the long joke was like, oh, everybody's going to buy a Wii because they want to buy a Wii Fit because Wii Fit is awesome. And it's like, no, everybody just bought a really short ottoman, like a really <laughs> tiny – it'll sit right in front of the couch in the living room. They're not going to use it to play Wii Fit. <laughs> I mean, I don't, do you do you have one? Do you have we do it? have one. <laughs> have you used it? It's no, it's it sits in the closet. <laughs> exactly. It sits vertically, like standing up against the wall in a closet to take up the least amount of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I won't throw it away. That and the rock band instruments. <laughs> I mean, the the Wii Fit is so successful, not successful that everybody I knew who had one, when I asked them, like, oh, do you? Can we bust it out? I've always wanted to try it. And they're like, uh, it doesn't have batteries in it. And uh, it's, I don't even know where it is. It's, uh, it's packed away somewhere. So it's like, okay, you spent, what, $100 on this <laughs> peripheral? Like, I may not have played rock band in a long time because I, I have a kid and I've been busy. I know where my instruments are. <laughs> like, I could, I could plug them in right now. Do you know where your instruments are? <laughs> I do because they're important to me. It's 11 o'clock. And, but I mean, that's the thing is like, I, I don't use those peripherals because I don't have time, not because I am shameful and regret their purchase. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ambivalent about a new, I mean, particularly because I just got my first 3DS like <laughs> yeah. two weeks ago, but I'm ambivalent about a new one because if like the jump from the 2DS to the 3DS was, they they acted like it was 3D, but really it was more powerful guts. You mean the regular DS to 3D? Yes. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because 2DS <laughs> is a 3DS without 3D. This is what happens when you have 600 units in this space. You take yeah. up all the words. <laughs> yes. So from the regular DS to the 3DS, the 3D necessitated more powerful guts, which meant it's, you could have more powerful yeah, games. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a low-res GameCube now instead of a low-res low N64. Yeah. <laughs> low res n64 <laughs> but i mean you know but all the you know good guy nintendo all the ds games play on the 3ds because they're they they're at least cool give like you that. one gen back yeah. compatibility yeah so but i mean it's what, what the first off the the breaking news about like oh there's a new console is hey hey guys there's a new console <laughs> it's not really like i mean this even the graphic on this article is it's just a 3ds yeah, it's not even the latest 3DS. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what do you think? Oh, so they have an update with slides from the presentation. So, apparently, this was Satoru Iwata presenting at some businessy, businessy, businessy event and just saying probably off off the cuff, like, yeah, in 2016, we'll unveil our next thing. Right. But it's like... <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, you know, what what are we... I don't want to dwell on news that's not news, but I mean, like... The new the new 3ds XL that just came out is like almost as powerful as their desktop console. Like, what are they gonna do? I do think we got to link to these slides because the the third slide just says "unexpected alliance." <laughs> we should just link only to that slide. Just confuse the hell out of people. Yeah, these are not great slides. These are uh, a lot of a lot of text. Yeah. This, he needs to take some presentation lessons. Business good to business. So, yeah. I mean, everyone's kind of watching. And, I mean, people have been predicting Nintendo's doom for decades. But there's there are some large forces happening now that it is kind of an adapt or die. Like, I know they found a way to stay profitable. They've never not been profitable. But it's like, how much of a niche do you want to be profitable in? Right. Speaking of which, um, they're apparently going to start making games with first-party IP for smart devices. So at long last. But. We're going to get our Mario Infinite Runner yeah. crappy games. And and this is the thing. they He was very clear in the same presentation with the ridiculous slides. Um, he was very clear that not existing games. Yeah, they're not going to port Super Mario World to the iPhone. Right. They're going to make a crappy Flappy Bird Yoshi game well, or this, you know stuff like that. This is what I I want to be optimistic because Nintendo is a a clever company like that they're not going to just use this as a, a cash grab. Yeah. You know, if they make a a Mario Infinite Runner, like it'll be the coolest Infinite Runner, not just cuz it's Mario, but like it'll be done really really well. Yeah, you know, because they're kind of like Apple. They're kind of coming into a space that's sort of established, so they can 
learn from the lessons of the past and then try new things. I also would compare them to Disney in terms of caring about their characters reputation oh yes and uh i mean they're not without their missteps every cdi thing ever <laughs> but i think they've put that pretty far behind them of like yeah don't do that well i think they they kind of recognize like if we let this stuff out there's a chance other people will ruin it so instead of being like walled off apocalypse cult about it where it's like we'll live on a farm and we'll make our own food and we'll never talk to the outside <laughs> world the grid. yeah they just they keep bringing in smart people and doing things to retain good talent um i just i'll i'll find the link and put it in the show notes but i just saw a video yesterday about the level design in mario games and they're specifically the newer ones but he talks about some of the older ones and it's this four-step process where it's like a mechanic is introduced then it's made more complicated. Then they do like a twist. And then it's like at the end of the level, it's like, okay, now we're going to just throw elements of yeah. level design together. And uh, one of the the examples that the guy had in the video that I thought was a, an excellent point was they're not afraid to introduce a mechanic and then just totally discard it. Yeah. And his example was the, the jumpy green boot in Super Mario 3. Oh, yeah. It's in one level. Exactly then, one level. And then you never see or hear from it again. Yeah. But it's like... It's no, they do a lot of that. Of just like, this level is designed around this one weird trick. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ran, ran its course. We don't need to drive this into the ground. But I like that. I like... Because it, it's constantly forcing them to say, if we want to introduce a new thing, we have to show it, teach yeah. them how it works... And then we can build cool puzzles. Well, and I like it. how they they aren't afraid to like sort of lampshade it and and be really on the nose about it. Like I th- remember in a previous episode we talked about the the Super Mario 3D World level where right off the bat you're on a narrow path going forward and there's a soccer ball coming at you. Yes, and it's like yep. very like chances are you're going to hit that soccer ball, but you're going to see a soccer ball, so you won't be afraid of it. Right, because they it was, seem friendly. If it was a boulder that you could kick. You know, you you would be terrified. You try to jump <laughs> over it, but they're like, "No, we're just going to send soccer balls at them." And then later in that level, there's some more soccer balls in other situations. And then guess what? There's a boss. It's a Bowser in a car, and you're kicking soccer balls at him. But, right, and some of them are on fire. Those and I don't are the think, ones you have to dodge. I, I can't remember there being any other levels with soccer balls. Maybe there were, but. I don't think it so. wasn't like a dominant mechanic in the whole game. It was like, oh, it was one level soccer balls. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so having just played through uh, Super Mario 3D Land, um, <laughs> is it Super Mario Land 3D? Super Mario no, 3D, 3D Land. 3D Land. Okay. Having just played, see, I have no idea. Stared at the game for like 10 hours, no idea what it's called. <clears throat> but having just played through it, I noticed one of the things we kind of got in Mario games out of the shift from 2D to 3D and specifically in um, like Galaxy and beyond, the level design, it makes no sense visually. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's just platforms floating in space for no reason. They make no effort to explain why these levels are there. <laughs> Yoshi has a house in space. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's totally, but it's because it doesn't matter. <laughs> It just doesn't literally. That's why as, as, as there's what I'll describe as story creep on Mario games. Like, stop <laughs> it! It doesn't matter. Well, but like in uh, in 3D Land World, there's um, one of the early levels in like World Two, I think, is just giant floating voxel eight bit representations of like the mushroom and a question mark block, yeah. and you just run around on them. And, like, some of them break and fall apart. And, like, then at the end, the very, very end part of the stage (laughs) looks like the end of World 1-1. And it's like, why? Because it's fun. (laughs) Well, that's why I appreciate that there isn't, like, a story to Super Smash Brothers. (laughs) Um, Well, there was, and it was awesome. Right. But I I, remember, like, the every Street Fighter game used to have, like, they're the best fighters in the world. Oh, yeah. had to know. They tried to add the backstory. Who was the best. Yeah. Ken and Ryu knew, like trained together, and like Guile, I think lost like his partner like, while they were serving in the military. Like, I mean, there are Street Fighter movies, so I guess I've been proven wrong. But <laughs> does anyone love the Street Fighter movies? 
No. I mean, I'm not just talking about the bad live action Von Damoid, which I hate love, but. (laughs) There's probably, I know I've seen one of the anime movies only once that stars Chun-Li. Yeah. But it's like they didn't try to shoehorn a story onto the tournament, like the Mortal Kombat movies. (laughs) This is the movie, if I remember it correctly, this was more like characters you know and in a story. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. You know, it, then it, it survives or fails on the merits of the story, but it's, uh, it's kind of dumb. She's like a cop. <laughs> she's a cop. Yeah. I think she's a detective and she's like investigating murders and then she ends up kicking people in the face. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an anime based on street fighter. It's about what you'd expect. So to summarize all this, Nintendo is doomed. Totally doomed. What's Disney doing? <laughs> So Disney has these things called magic bands. And if you've ever been to Disney World, and I assume Disneyland and the other parks do the same kind of thing, um, back in the day, it was a big deal when suddenly your room key could also be your credit card and it could also be your park ticket. So if you were staying, like if you went on a trip, you got this one little plastic card, this one weird trick, and (laughs) – It was like all you needed. You know, that's how you got into the park. That's how you paid for stuff when you were in the park. Well, then they introduced the Fast Pass. And the Fast Pass was you go to the ride and you say, I want to ride this ride. And then you got a ticket. And then you could come back later and you could like get straight on the ride, which in theory is a good idea. But it involved a lot of logistical overhead because now you became like this planner. You're like, okay, first I have to do a whole lap of the park and get fast passes for everything. Then we're going to have lunch. Then an hour will have passed, and then we can start going back through the rides and, like, cashing in our fast passes. And it kind of kind of took the fun out of it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So now – The fun of standing in line for two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so now they have taken all of these, like, good idea pieces and turned it into, like, Disney magic. So they have this product called the Magic Band, and it looks like kind of like a Livestrong bracelet, like a little silicone band, and it's got a little chip in it and a little battery. And you get one of these, and now everything is handled forever. So, like, you want to go on these certain rides, so you tell them ahead of time, because these arrive in the mail ahead of time, so that you can front load all the boring stuff. And you say, like, okay, we're going to go on these rides and we're going to eat at this restaurant. And it gives Disney um, cast members – they're not employees. It it gives Disney cast members – Work for hire. That's right. It gives them uh, opportunities to do all these amazing little things. And so I linked to this giant Wired article. It's very long, but it's an amazingly fascinating read. And some of the highlights are, like, they go into this restaurant and when they approach the hostess stand, okay, they're just walking up – The hostess greets them by name because as they were approaching somewhere, their their magic bands were scanned and the hostess knows like, oh, this is Mike. Mike's coming for lunch because he has a reservation for lunch. You know, hello, Mr. Edwards. How are you doing today? And it's like, that's amazing. The first time that happened, it'd be kind of terrifying to get used to it. I want that. Like when I'm in Disney World, I expect everything to be magical. I just mean the first time it would just be kind of jarring. Like you – no, of course you know, but you know. <laughs> See, I feel like if I walked in, because like Starbucks has an app. Like I feel like when you walk into a Starbucks and they're like, oh, welcome back, Mr. Edwards. Will you have a small mocha? Like that's a little weird to me because I feel like I'm out in the world. Or the the minority report when he had the other guy's eyes. Yeah, he was getting and trying ads. to sell him pants. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid gap pants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's like, I don't expect that. In Disney, I expect this like super high level of like catering and high touch pampering. Yeah. Um, and so like when they sit down at the, in the restaurant and like they don't have to order because they already ordered and the app like knows what they want and they just like bring it out and they're like, oh, you know, this is for you and you had this dietary restriction. So we made sure to get this all right and properly set up. And then you can just like go up to a ride and just be like, Dink, and then like you're you're registered to go in. Um, and they're also doing a lot of other things with like making the lines less boring. Um, they call them interactive cues. Um, <laughs> but they're like, they're really working to make the logistics front loaded. Yeah. Um, oh, this thing also operates as your room key. So like you have it on your wrist, 
you, you know, you're tired, you come back from a long day, you just put your hand on the handle and now it's close enough that the room key sensor can read it and the door just opens. So, you know, you grab it and it's locked because it's my room. I grab yeah. it and it opens because I have my magic band. And it's like, that's, th- this is like this microcosm of the internet of things. Like Disney is this experimental magical world of what the internet of things well, can do. It's nice because, I mean, I'm looking at some of the notes you have here, but it's not just what if everything connected to each other, but it's what if everything connected to each other for a purpose yes. of like doing specific things. And there's a very, very, I don't know if this is part of a quote or if it's just some of your notes, but um, there's this line here. You make people happier, not by giving them more options, but by stripping away as many as you can. Sounds a lot like Apple. Yeah, no, and that is a direct quote from one of the high-ranking uh, Disney Disney executives. And it's like I, I get the like logical tech person reaction of like, yeah, y'all drinking some Kool Aid there. <laughs> but there, there is. I do think people pay money to not have to make decisions. I think that's a real thing in human psychology. Of oh yeah, oh like I trust, like I trust this company to be smart about taking away options for me. So I'm going to pay the money and my life will be streamlined. Yep. Well, I think there's there's probably a lot of interesting psychology I can now crap all over because I don't know a lot about psychology, <laughs> but I do I am familiar with the concept of the crisis of choice. Yeah. So you want options. You don't want too many options. Yeah. And I think with Do you uh, want the black one or the white one? Right. You're done. Yeah. And we're done here. <laughs> what I think um is happening in a case like this and is happening in a case anytime you like do an experience of some kind is you did make a choice. You chose to do that experience. So like when you go to to Disney and you do this like the magic band experience, what you're saying is I am choosing to give up control. So like in your mind, I think you probably still see that as control because you decided <laughs> like I want you guys to plan out which rides so I go to. If you're more of the submissive type. <laughs> <sighs> No, it's not. No, I get what you're saying. <laughs> no, I mean, yes, there, there is excellent opportunities for Fifty Shades of Grey humor in there. But I mean, you know what, I, you know what I'm trying to yeah. get at? Like, it's, you're saying, like, I trust them, and because I'm entering into this... It's the same reason people do, like, dinner theater or how to host a murder. It's like, you, yes. kinda, you want to surrender yourself to some kind of story yeah, or... The, the magic of it all. Yeah. Like, this is... Suspend your disbelief and just have fun. I was very jealous because, you know, I went to Disney literally hundreds of times as a kid. You know, that was like our vacation destination. Cedar Point over here. (laughs) A little less magical, a little more just frighteningly large. Yeah. Um, But we, uh, you know, I haven't been obviously since I, I moved to Colorado. And even before, you know, just life, it's harder when you're not 12 to like just go to Disney all the time. And uh, I was talking to my parents and I was like, oh, did you guys hear about the magic bands? And my dad was like, yeah, I already have four of them. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm, I got I, – OK. I got to take time off work. I got to like fly back to Florida. But I'm just like I want other companies like Nest, you know, and, 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 and is it we, Wemo? Yeah. W-E-M-O. Like I want these Internet of Things companies – to look at this and be like, oh, that. We don't want to just connect things for no point. We want to connect things for a reason. I, yeah. I think you nailed it, Mike. Like We're connecting things to achieve this goal. In, yeah, in Disney's case, it's to make the experience better. It's the job to be done. It's I want my theme song when I arrive home. <laughs> I don't need to know about an API for you know user-based playlist selection. Like... <laughs> I mean, if I'm making my own app, I'm going to be all over those docs. But yeah, yeah, those tools need to be there for the people laying the roads. You know, yeah. I want the guy who's paving the road to know all about paving but I'm, roads. I'm driving to Phoenix. I don't. Yeah. like I don't know why I'm driving to Phoenix. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. I mean, this is like this to me. I'm way more interested in seeing this technology in action than the Apple Watch or the Revive. Like, I want to go. Just so I can take notes on like, oh, I walked in and this thing that I used to have to ask someone, it just happened. Yeah. And I used to have to do this you know, manually or set this up ahead of time and it just happened and it was amazing. I also think it's kind of poetic that it's happening at a theme park 
you know, pretty early in the examples of this because of like the, the traditional World's Fair and World of the Future type exhibits oh, yeah. that would be at a theme park type situation. A lot of Disney stuff grew out of yeah the uh, like the was it the fifty World's Fair the forty nine World's Fair it was around that time yeah and I mean just uh, there's I remember some podcasts that I can't. I don't remember the name of it, but there was an episode all about Walt Disney and his obsession with, you know, a Steve Jobs like obsession with creating a theme park experience. And like, oh, yeah. I don't want anyone to be able to see some like shitty highway in the background. I don't want <laughs> you to hear the nor like you are in a different world. Yep. Like, I don't want trash all over. Like, yeah, and and that's why like I I've always said if you want to save the world, you need to get people from NASA and engineers from disney and they need to all answer to elon musk like <laughs> that company would just fix everything or at least make first world really comfortable <laughs> because, like, one of those two things because i mean there's just little things at disney that are just have like always blown my mind like the way the speakers are set up are specifically and you would probably understand the the physics behind this better than me but they're they're acoustically set up in such a way that there is never a hard stop so as you're walking if you walk from like say Frontierland to Adventureland. Yeah. Then the music is different in those two places, but you never realize that it changed because it's so acoustically perfectly balanced that it just blends as you're in between the yeah, worlds. It's crossfaded real life. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's, I mean, that kind of attention to detail is just mind blowing because that means that people had to not only figure out what would work acoustically, but then when they're designing things like buildings and the grounds like where they're putting plants matters because those things are going to absorb and reflect some sound and you have to think it's freaking crazy yeah. pants it's, it's it's just amazing and like that's if you're going to design a smart home i don't want just stupid stuff like oh you walk in and the lights turn on and it's like yeah great we have yeah, the clapper the, in the 80s. most obvious yeah. thing <laughs> i mean it, it's neat i'm not saying i don't want that i'm just saying that can't be your selling point lowest the, that yeah. fruit is on the ground it's hanging so low <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> you just picked it up yeah it's you can't even eat it like it's now you need to make banana bread out of that <laughs> yeah. so but that's this is what i want like i want the stuff that i didn't even know i wanted like I need the smart people, the Steve Jobs and the Walt Disney's and the Elon Musk to be like, you think you wanted a faster horse, but you actually want a spaceship that drives itself. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I didn't even know spaceships existed. <laughs> I, I will take 10. Thank you. Shut up and take my whatever. Shut up and take my credits. My rubies. <laughs> Shut up and I'll keep my money. Um <laughs> Yeah, so that's really fascinating, and I haven't been to Disney World since I was like five, and I've never been to Disneyland in California, so um, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm due up, even even childless, the sad childless, <laughs> like I would probably be willing to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I still haven't been to Disneyland, because I mean, yeah. growing up most of my life in Florida, it was like, yeah, we're really so going to fly across what, the country. what age are you waiting to before you're like, all right? It's time we're taking the kid. Um, I used to have a saying which was not until they're old enough to walk because um, I would be at Disney and I would see these kids just in strollers, like these, those huge it's like they're Jeep not going to remember it. Yeah. Um, and now that I have an 18-month-old that's a really good walker, I'm like, no, turns out walking, not the right bar. <laughs> not the right threshold. Yeah, so I'm thinking five on the low end. Because she won't remember it, but she will have a fantastic time. Yeah. And I think like between five and ten where they'll have like some fleeting memories. Because I, I think I have some memories of Disney that young. Yeah. Um, or at least I've reconstructed them from like photos <laughs> and stories. Um, so I think that's fine. But yeah, to take like a two or three year old, like it's it's it's, it's too kind much. Of a waste. <laughs> it's, it's too it's too stimulating. They don't know what the hell's going on. They're all over the place. It's sure as hell isn't fun for the they, parents. They haven't chose other than like that's my doll. They haven't really chosen favorite characters yet. Yeah, or. it's I just I don't having been there as a kid and then as an adult and now having a kid. I'm like no nope. There there well, is such a thing as too young. Well, after Frozen Seven, you can. <laughs> Frozen yeah. again, the so, refrozening. I, I think five to ten, like in that range, is the fir the perfect first time age. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to do if my kid hates Disney. 
You're just going to be like, I don't... Like, I like those DreamWorks characters. <laughs> I love how they all have that one eyebrow up. Like, I, I relate to that. It speaks to me as a person. Your daughter's going to grow up with one eyebrow up. Just all, all, all the, the time. time just, just constantly yeah. quizzical. <laughs> and smiling out of one side of her mouth. <laughs> like Han Solo. So, um, can we can we now end this very happy, positive talk and talk about how the government hates Yeah, there's us? lots of horrible things. So, <laughs> back to tech. Um there's a new article based on Snowden revelations. These you know, every month there's some new horrifying thing that our government's been doing. Um, so this is a report on a multi-year campaign on the CIA to break all the Apple things, and um, with limited success. And I think the the interesting tidbit here is, other than that, the government is always trying to break popular technology and. Um, Hearing that they've been frustrated is kind of weirdly encouraging to me, even though I'm like, why are you trying so hard? Yeah, maybe don't try at all. Then you won't be frustrated. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, I think the headline here is that there was a report that they had created a, a broken version of Xcode that had some kind of backdoor or they had some sort of in with. And it wasn't clear from the report if they had ever really distributed this version of Xcode like I don't think Apple's official servers were infected with this cracked Xcode, but um, that's really disturbing on many levels. And so to to lay this out, if you're not a programmer, um, Xcode is what you use to make all iOS apps or Mac apps. Um, you have to use Xcode. They, um, it's not like other platforms where there's like any number of um, IDEs. You can't that you compile can use. in any other. Oh, because Xcode signs it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so you're stuck. So it's you the can't only, just say like I'm going to write it in Notepad I on mean, a Windows machine. I still think you need it even for like Mac apps. You don't have to sign though. On the later systems, people have to go through some hoops to run unsigned software. Right. But um, all which makes iOS sense to me. But yeah, have to be iOS completely walled, uh, vertical integrated, like walled garden. Um, and so that's what's disturbing about this is you could have developers that are writing perfectly clean, secure code. But if the government has has put a hacked version of the compiler into place, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because it's going to just throw backdoors in there. It's It's like, like, oh, this looks like a good app for a backdoor. They're speaking perfectly good code English at the top level, but the ones and zeros are compromised. Right. (laughs) Which is a – this is the thing about technical security that is so difficult is to explain this to a layman is really hard. Yeah. Because – this is a specific way the government could screw you. You know, it's like, and they're not, it's not that like, oh, Apple complied with them to give them backdoors. It's like, no, they're trying to circumvent Apple to secretly install backdoors just in case they need them, which is the scariest kind of hacking to me. Cause it's like, yeah. what if we just put a bunch of gaping holes everywhere in case we want to get in there? Yeah. It's like, so you don't even need these. You're just opening security well, flaws for no reason. It's like, I could see I, – I wouldn't approve of this, but like the government getting an access token that could be revoked should it be found to be compromised. Compromised or lost And or it's whatever. like, yeah, I still don't want the government having free access to all my stuff, but that's better than a an actual backdoor that cannot be closed in a simple way. Right. Because if you're shipping broken software – Well, and this is why – I've I've always been fascinated and totally befuddled by security algorithms like the mathematical encryption because I don't totally understand – you don't have to explain this on the air if you do understand it. But <laughs> I don't totally understand how one-way encryption works mathematically. Like I get the concept. Like you have this thing and it can be converted one way using math but you can't convert it's it like back. It's like some kind of entropy. <laughs> yeah. it's There's just – I don't know, wizards. So, <laughs> but the thing is, because those are mathematically sound ways to do a mathematical thing, you have security protocols that are pretty solid until computing power can like yeah. bash through them. So, those things are like public and they're well known and well understood. And that's how we have like SSL and TLS and Bcrypt and all this other amazing stuff. But when Joe Schmo who's like working for the CIA is like, I'm just going to put a backdoor into Xcode. It's like, well, are you like a cryptology expert? Are you using known standards that thousands of other security and math experts have like vetted? Or did you just say like, I'm just going to poke a hole and I'll make it a small hole and hopefully no one will see it because 
there's a really good chance that that's what you're doing because you can't vet this in the public because you're doing clandestine yeah. espionage activities. Like, it's really broken and scary. It's it, it's like if you you took your car in. And you were like, oh, yeah, I got a fender bender. And they were like, you don't need this airbag. Airbags hurt people. Yeah. And they just take it out. And then you get into an accident and your airbag doesn't deploy because it's not there. It's like, oh, I, I was expecting that to be there. And now my face has the Ford logo across the forehead. Yeah. Um, Sno- just related. And Snowden was um, virtually at South by Southwest. Um, there was a, a an exclusive invite-only meeting with uh, like heads of different prominent tech companies mm. got to video conference Q and a with him. And there were some reports that he was really passionately calling for tech companies, um, to put in technical safeguards. Don't wait on policy. Don't wait mm. on legislation, make your platforms end and secure right. encrypt and, all the things. Cause just don't make it trivial for the government to do mass surveillance, right? Force them to do targeted surveillance um, not only because that's better policy for like you know get a warrant uh, for American citizens, but right. it's also like a matter of funding. Like they can't individually break everything. They need these right. common holes. They need SSL to be broken. Mm-hmm. They don't want to crack every single version of every single OS and app and platform. And you know that. And he was saying like. Maybe they would figure out how to do mass surveillance in China, but they wouldn't have enough money to implement it everywhere else. It's like, that's better. You know, it's not ideal, but it's better than the result of, oh, we have this really low level, easy break into everything. Well, I I like that there's someone, and I know there's other people besides him. He's just very high profile, but I like that there's someone pushing for the non-sexy things in tech. Because most people do not understand how cryptography works and how these security protocols work, and you shouldn't need to. It should just be given that these things operate, yeah. that the people who understand them are making sure they work securely, and that the infrastructure is there, right? Just like it's a given that you know you ha- expect Wi-Fi when you have your Wi-Fi router set up. Like you don't necessarily know how Wi-Fi works, but you expect it to work, right? Like. If you're building a new app and it's going to talk to a database, that should be encrypted at the database level. The connection should be encrypted. Like that should yeah. just be how apps are built. And uh, it's cool that he's 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 doing a really good job of pushing for it and keeping it in the public eye. Yeah, I so mean, I'll, I'll get a link in the notes of Snowden at South by Southwest. Yeah. So I, I have a, a side note about South by Southwest. Do you care at all about South by Southwest? And I don't mean that in a negative no. way. I mean it in like a. Huh? I, I'll just show my ignorance. I th- only thought of it as a music festival, and only in the past couple of years was like, oh, it's like a software thing. Oh, so you you missed South by Southwest completely because it's been a software thing for like half a decade. I mean, I uh, only knew it as a music festival. Yeah, so and then, you knew it when it was like brand new, and yeah. then missed it until just now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's okay. Did you know there's also a South by Southwest EDU? Maybe vaguely. Yeah, <laughs> and this is yeah, that's always like <laughs> academia is always so far behind. They're all, they always get the <laughs> festival like a few years later, so they got TEDx. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, and this is so you know I listen to a lot of podcasts and and you know read tech blogs and all that kind of nonsense. No, and, no I do. It's I'm as shocked as you are. <laughs> uh, so. so I remember years ago people talking about South by Southwest and I was like, man, I'd love to go. This is like all this new stuff gets announced and like that's where Twitter was announced and that's where Meerkat is getting ready to make like their big splash, which we'll talk about in a second. (laughs) Um, And, you know, like all this stuff comes out of there and you would see video and photos and it looked like this huge party where all these like tech cool people were rubbing elbows. And I think Uber got announced there and like it it was just a big thing and then – Every year you would listen to these reputable podcasters and you would read articles from reputable bloggers and they were just like, it's just a huge, totally crazy party. It's all 19 and 20 year olds trying to get rich by pushing their app. It's like, yeah, it's like a job fair. This is why, like, however unrealistic for comedy reasons that Silicon Valley, the the HBO show is. I'm glad it exists because shitty Silicon Valley people need to be satirized. Like, they do. We're going to save the world by becoming rich. And it's like, <laughs> n- 
No, no. You, you are not the savior of modern, like, the world. Yeah. No. You may make people's lives more convenient. You may start something interesting, but you're not going to cure You're probably just hunger. harvesting our data. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Which, and that's, this is one of those things, like, and drop and valve. <laughs> as, as we become more globalized, it it does get difficult to care about something like the Apple Watch, and then you change channels or you turn the page or you click to the next article, and it's like, oh, people are being brutally murdered and and pillaged in this country on the other side of the planet. And then the juxtaposition of those two things is hard to reconcile. And, and I mean, we don't have to go off onto a crazy thing, but. I want people who are making it easier to get a cab from your house to the airport to not act like they're curing world hunger. Yeah. Like sometimes I need a cab to the airport because I live Thank in you the for United that. States. Yeah, please make that more convenient. Please don't act like you're solving world hunger. Like that's – we need to understand that those yeah. are different I'm OK things. that you're solving a smaller problem. Yes, it's totally fine. <laughs> so I'm, I've always been curious about South by Southwest because I feel like – I feel like I'm the neighbor across the street who is like, oh, there's a there's a party going on over there. And then it became like this crazy raging party. And I was like, oh, man, I, I'd love to go check out that party. And then by the time I like took a shower and got dressed and I was like, OK, I'm, I'm ready to go over to the party. And like now all the people I know, I can see them leaving and getting in their cars and driving away. And I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to go to this yeah. party. I was trying to find real quick on Reddit the since you mentioned it's like a bunch of drunk 19, 20 year olds partying. Um, <laughs> there was some little street brawl. I don't know if it was this year's South by or if it was a, a previous famous now infamous gif, but basically there's this, this dude who was clearly wasted just picking fights with people and just being really aggressive That's on cool. the street and, uh, kind of sucker punched this one guy in the eye. Ooh. And then he gets sucker punched by some <laughs> other hero guy that shows up and is just like, you're going to stop this now. Yeah. And he gets, you could tell he was wasted because he just goes out like oh, cold. Just like, like the board falling over, just yeah. like done. Um, but the, the, the hero sucker punch is, is just as porn and it's finest. <laughs> of just like, that's a douche. And he got what was coming to him. There's, I'm sure I'll be able to find this and I, I will throw it in the show notes. But my favorite one of those like animated GIF is a uh, guy steals, I think, like a purse and then he's trying to make a getaway on a bike. And I don't know if this is from a movie or what, but it's just it's so cool. And then so there's another guy walking, talking to his friend and he like hears the yelling and he looks over his shoulder and he sees the guy coming and he just kicks him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> pulls just, him, that sentence is funny. <laughs> just rips him off the bike and then like he's catching his balance so he kind of unintentionally does the like van damme like <laughs> yeah. standing over the fallen foe Was like leg still in the air because that would be really van damme <laughs> no so i guess it's more bruce lee because he puts it down and he's just like boom like Criminal stopped. Batman away. <laughs> and then he goes thwip and he's Spider-Man suddenly. And <laughs> um, that is that now the noise his web makes? It's always thwip. Thwip? Is it? I guess thwip is a better thwip. Okay. <laughs> but do Like how would it be? <laughs> We're just going to argue about Spider-Man wrist noises now. Like any good podcast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to find that and throw it in the show notes because it's amazing. Um, so I, I mentioned Meerkat. So let, let's we'll skip over Cortana for a minute. T- tell me about Meerkat. Tell everyone about Meerkat. So live live streaming is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Things are hard. <laughs> Meerkat makes it so you you tell it your Twitter account and then you press a button and you're instantly streaming live video from your phone. That's Meerkat. It's you're you're out and about. Whatever's happening. You press a button, now it auto-tweets and everyone can click a button and watch whatever you're doing wherever you are instantly is kind of their their pitch, is live anywhere. Right. Um, live anywhere, easy, with the equipment you already have. Yeah, the, the camera that's with you. <laughs> um, are we tired of that line yet? Um, no. um, and Twitter, you know, before, you know, J- John Q, here's what Meerkat is, Twitter has already shut them out. Yes. Um, so Meerkat was, and this is the danger of living on the back of another established network is they can cut you off at any moment and say, yeah, no. Well, and so I think part of the reason Twitter decided to crap all over this was one, 
the chat. So like if you're watching a Meerkat video and you comment, it's actually sending tweets. Yeah, that was a kind of kind of a terrible design decision yeah, because so it, it's spammy well, as it's, hell. It's spammy, but they I, I, I'm guessing they didn't want to build the infrastructure and blah blah blah. But really, it's because they wanted people on Twitter to see like, oh, this conversation's happening on Meerkat. And I it should, would auto hashtag, so right. it'd become trending. Yeah, so it's like I should go over to where this thing is happening on Meerkat. Um, but Mike, what's the other good reason Twitter probably shut this down? So this is completely unrelated, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Twitter acquired a company called Periscope. That live streams from your yeah, phone exactly at the click of a thing. button. Yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence! Yeah, it's amazing. So this is this really brings up the I think the the nut at the heart of this argument is is Twitter its own thing or is Twitter a platform? Because if it's a platform, then them choking off things that use their platform is kind of crappy of them. If it's its own thing, then they can kind of do whatever they want. Like, I can't yeah. walk into Starbucks and sell Seattle's best coffee. They would probably frown on that. Well, there's there's lots of good hay to make on this because I think it's it's trendy to get excited about new platforms like Twitter, and I'm going to call it a platform. All right. And it's it's bad as internet practitioners as we are to fully invest in proprietary platforms and then get angry when those proprietary platforms are turned like this. Right. Um, we should be ashamed of ourselves for doing this over and over in tech. And, you know, it's it's nice that this has never happened for email, right? Yeah, distributed, email, <laughs> no one controls it. And I'm not saying email is perfect. There's huge problems with, you know, there's huge criticisms you can make about the way email works. But no one company owns it, and that's awesome. And... One company owns Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter owns Twitter. And Twitter has this history of, oh, we run this platform and you guys should come and use it only in the way we think is best. And and I think it's a little confusing coming from Twitter as well because they've made a lot of massive strides to improve their infrastructure. And, and by which I mean, when's the last time you saw Fail Whale? Not ever. Yeah, I mean, it's been... Like 09, yeah, 2010. It's been a long time because they've really made their service powerful and reliable. And no one like, spends their day going, hey, no more fail whales. It's like It's one of those sad things where once you do your job well, no one thinks about you. Right. <laughs> but if you're going to build this incredibly robust platform and then not let anyone else play on it, I mean, that's their prerogative. You know, they can do that, obviously, but it's just like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Why did you build this unsinkable ship and then say only the captain is allowed on board? Yeah. No one else. You can look at the ship, but you're not allowed to ride. It's just, it just seems, I don't, I don't know it's what very business lucrative. advantage. You, you own the land and tax everyone to live on it. You, you dole out tokens for a price. Well, but that's, so that's exactly the thing with Meerkat is like, oh, you are going to build this service that heavily uses Twitter as the underlying thing. So we have to work with you as a partner because then Meerkat says like, well, we want to make a business. So part of our business cost is using Twitter's infrastructure. I think Twitter's in the same like two-facedness that like Comcast is in. Oh, Comcast made it into the episode. <laughs> um, of they are like, we don't want to be a dumb pipe. But hey, we're a platform. Right. You know, we're, we're infrastructure. We're a platform. Just kidding. We're not. We're, we're services. Right. And they just... Yeah. And I mean, my issue with this is Twitter really does not want to become app.net where all they are is the social layer to all these other services. So nobody knows what Twitter is or cares about it. And I get that, but they can't do everything well. Like, there are still things about Twitter that I don't understand how they do so poorly. <laughs> like, like reclaiming old usernames, maybe for one. It's an excellent example. <laughs> or like, do you still have the mobile app uninstalled on your phone? No, I've got it. Again. Okay, welcome back. So, <laughs> so I noticed like a week ago, I saw somebody say like, oh no, Twitter's getting ready to do an in-app browser. Don't do it, Twitter. Don't do it. And then two days ago, I went to open a link and I was like, oh, that Chrome looks weird. Oh God, this is an in-app browser. Yeah. No! <laughs> They've done in-app browser 
all the time on iOS. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of Android apps do that too, but you can usually say like, nope, and turn it yeah. off in the settings. And this is it's this is a smart default thing because the average person is not going to mess with the default. So yeah. I'll turn it off because so I can track I everything you do. Right. And but you know the web is probably moving faster than Twitter is going to design a rendering engine. Yeah. So I don't want to load up somebody's blog or website or app or whatever and have it run like crap because it's in this stupid internal browser. So I don't know how it works on Android cuz on iOS it's just using the same WebKit renderer that iOS makes available because you can't make your own mm. web renderer on iOS. So that specific concern yeah. wouldn't happen on iOS. It's so, still slower than Safari, though. Right, because they don't let use the native accelerator yeah. for JavaScript I think and they stuff. flipped that in iOS 8, but it's still oh, slower than Safari. So I'm my understanding was on Android, it... If you have an in-app browser, you have bundled an entire little browser. Okay. Which I mean, they may be using WebKit, they may be using, you know, Blink, something modern, but but the the hardest code to maintain is the one you included. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the worst code you've ever written is the code you wrote. So, but it's like, so, but why, like Twitter? There are so many other things you could be focusing on. Yeah. And is the data they get from tracking that valuable? That's their whole business now is selling ads. I guess. I mean, I, I'm i sure that there is valuable data that's pulled out of like, oh, we control the browsing experience when someone clicks on a link. But I mean, really? Yeah. Really? Come on. <laughs> like, and is it worth making the entire experience worse? Because if no one uses your crappy in-app browser, then you're not collecting anything because no one's using it. So... I'm sure lots of very smart MBAs out in San Francisco have. You just uh, that sentence didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That's, we have actually a couple other stories, but I think we're gonna yeah we're we, gonna make we, the good people we're running wait. long. Um, so I think can I can I can it. I bring us home? Do I can it. bring us home. Okay. Uh, so you can find the show notes for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash fifty eight for this episode. Um, Mike and I both love feedback. Please do reach out to us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Lines and Bait on Twitter. At Medwards Music. One day you'll get that username. Oh, One man. Pseudo Michael will I'm, be mine. I'm holding out hope. Um, make sure you subscribe. Never miss an episode. Uh, all the subscribe links are right on our website, sunriserobot.net. Um, I personally use Pocket Cast. I think you use Overcast on yep. uh, iOS. Um, but definitely subscribe so you never have to think about when an episode's coming out. It'll just be delivered right to you. Um, do rate us on iTunes. Um, I know I've bashed iTunes a lot in the past, but well, um, iTunes the software is terrible. But iTunes the software you is still terrible. need to go in and rate yeah, us. But they still they do a good job of aggregating all this stuff. Um, and we've been getting we got like a big surge of ratings and reviews, and we appreciate every single one. Um, I really do go in and read every single review. I think Mike does too. Um, so go in, tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong. Also, tell us what we're doing right. <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to support us directly, um, you can go to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And we want to give a special shout out to some of our high tier supporters, uh, Bruce Edwards, Matt Mariner, and Sean Byrne. Um, everybody. Thank we, you guys. Yeah, we appreciate everybody. Um, but those are our, our ultra diamond platinum level supporters. <laughs> um, so we want to give them a special shout. Thanks for keeping the lights on. Exactly. And we'll see you next week. 